Welcome everybody, I am Kurusheke and this is the Market Meditations Podcast. We talk with fascinating people from around the world and extract mindsets, routines, stories, habits and much more so you can build yourselves richer lives. Today we have my good friend Josh, better known as Nebraskan Guna, here to share with us his journey from debt to self-employed in two years. Josh, I am honored to have you here. Would you be kind enough to give us a quick introduction? Hey, everyone. Yeah, thanks for having me, Karush. Uh, excited to be here and excited for more episodes of your podcast. Um, I'm Nebraskan Gunner. I think most of you probably know me by now on Twitter. If you don't, follow me. I'm almost at 50,000 followers, so help me out. Um, I don't get too caught up on that. But anyway, I just realized I was almost at 50K, so that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited to talk to you more and I'm ex- excited to see where this goes. Um, fantastic. Thanks for being here. So uh, one thing I definitely wanted to talk about in this interview is we've known each other for what, two years now, um, close to three actually, wait, since 2017. So we've known each other three years. And I have watched you literally go from hustling, trying to work your way out of debt to now self-employed, working for yourself, running your own business. Uh, could you tell us a little about, bit about that journey? Like, where did it begin? Uh, give us the highlights. Um, yeah, man, it's been a lot of hard work for sure. I think that's what a lot of people, they want like an easy way out. You know, everyone wants an easy way out. And it's like <laughs> the easy way out. You can, you can, there's times you can find an easy way out, but a lot of times you end up working just as hard to find the easy way out when you could just been working hard the whole time to, you know, get where you want to be anyway. And it's more rewarding that way anyway. So I get a lot of people asking me, you know, for, signals or to trade for them and things. And I'm like, why don't I help you learn to trade or, you know, even just learn to invest? Uh, it's more rewarding and long, long, longer lasting than getting a freebie, you know? So, uh, that's the biggest thing I think is just working hard, uh, is get you where you want to be. If you're willing to hustle, uh, that's what I always tell people. Uh, I mean, that's what I've been doing my whole life back when I was 16. I think, uh, actually before I could even have a job, I was 15, and I found a just random uh, little pet shop close to my house that I could walk to, asked them if I could work there and they were paying me under the table. And I think minimum wage back then was like $4 an hour. And they were paying me bank. I remember getting like two or $300 a week from them or something. And um, not I was only working part time and they were paying me cash. So I thought I was doing pretty well back when I was like 15 and none of my friends had jobs or anything. So that was pretty cool. So this started way before crypto. Oh yeah, man. I'm always like trying to like, so I got called a serial entrepreneur the other day. Um, I mean, shit, I think, uh, there was one time where I was getting paid, I think I was like 10 or 11, uh, 10 or 11 years old. And my haircut lady was paying me to kill flies in there, (laughs) uh, in the salon. I seriously was getting paid a dollar per fly I was killing. So, you know, how did you get that job? How does that even happen? I mean, they literally had, I don't remember. It was so hot in there. They had so many flies and I was just like killing them for her. And she's like, oh my gosh, keep doing that. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, I'll literally give you a dollar for a fly you kill. I'm like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> so then I'm like killing flies. I went up there like twice a week for like a couple months in the summer and was just making like, you know, five to $10 a day or something. But anyway, it wasn't like a dirty place or anything. It was just, they had, they kept the windows open um, to get the air circulated through there or whatever. So, I mean, that's just funny. I just thought about that. Actually, I haven't thought about that in a long time. Please bring that up, man. Like opportunities tend to come your way. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. I think that's one of the biggest things is like sensing an opportunity. Like seriously, the same along the same lines, my neighbor 
um, was seriously paying me to get rid of those big, uh, they're like, I don't know what the name for them is. There's these giant hornets that like dig in your yard and they make, they put, they bury nests in your yard or whatever anyway. So he was just sick of them. And I, he saw me out killing them and he could not kill them to save his life. And he's like, dude, what do you do to kill these things? And I told him all the stuff. He's like, man, we just come do it for me. I'll literally pay you. And I'm like, hell yeah, I will. <laughs> like, how much are you going to pay me? You know? So like, and that's back when I was like 13 years old. So it's just like, you just got to find these opportunities. You got to know people that you, you like, you got to start being able to sense opportunities when they're there too, you know? Um, but then it, I was talking to somebody earlier today and I was just telling them, you know, just if you, if you find an interesting person at a restaurant or wherever, you just never know who you're going to meet. And if, if you want to have a conversation with them and you, or they look successful or interesting or whatever, go have a conversation with them. The worst they're going to do is just turn you away. But I can't tell you how many random meetings I've had with people that have led to like, you know, big connections, uh, whether it's, um, you know, a money connection or a job connection or just um, wise words connections or like advice. Did that come naturally to you or was that a skill you taught yourself? Um, you know, I don't know. I think my dad's a really good manipulator. Um, good and bad. He's a really good manipulator. Um, really smart, clever. Um, and he would just always go out and like kind of talk to everybody everywhere we're at. And, you know, I've always been one of those people that I'm like, that I'm just always trying to, you know, trying to learn more. I really like learning everything I can all day, every day, no matter what I'm doing. Um, I think even before this, you were telling me the difference between sweet potatoes and yams. So, and I, I like learned from that though. You know, it's like, there you can never learn too much. Um, you never know when your one of your friends is going to teach you about that air duct blah blah something, and then five years later you're like, oh, you know, actually I learned this one time, and you know, you fix something in your house you would have paid for otherwise, or you know, whatever. So it's always good to learn things. It's always good to be aware of where you're at and your surroundings, and you know, be an opportunist. You, you've got to be an opportunist if there's something going on or like if you sense that somebody needs help with something or somebody's going to need a person that can be there to do something for them. And it's an opportunity for you. Then I will totally sometimes like, like if you, if you know somebody that is like in the, that is in a very good situation in their life mm-hmm. and they need, you know, you're like, can come up to them and be like, Hey, you know, so it's, it was actually quite fantastic. Um, I, think you touched on the first point which i'm not sure you even realize is part of that charisma and that ability to attract opportunity could very much be related to your fascination and uh desire to learn a lot of the most charismatic people i know who tend to attract opportunity are fascinated by other people and people love that people love people who are interested in them so your natural curiosity could absolutely be playing in your favor there. And uh, you're not the one who should be apologizing. I gave a very vague question at the start, which I only realized afterwards. Remember, this is the I know. I was like, asked. okay, am I going to go with this? But I'm good. Like I can be, a, I can bullshit all day. So. <laughs> Dude, you rescued that. So thank you. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'll keep going. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. If you want. Um, I actually want to continue on that. Okay. So you've told us, uh, you've been hustling since day at 13. You were killing um, flies for, but no, 13 was the hornet nest. 16, you were yeah. killing the flies. Um, no, I was like 11 years old for the, I was like killing flies at the salon for like a dollar per. Oh, but yeah. Obviously, hornets are a level up from front flies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we got the hornets and then, uh, where do we go next? Like, what, where did the, what was the next big hustle for you? 
So yeah, actually, um, so it's kind of cool. Um, you know, normal story. I turned 16. I actually had a hospital bill. Um, I had a big hospital bill from an ambulance ride. I won't get into detail on that, but anyway, yeah. I had debt. I was 16 and my parents are like, we're not going to pay this debt for you. You got to pay yourself. Like be a, be a responsible adult and pay this debt off. And I'm like, all right, fine. So I went, there was a place close by called Sonic Drive-In. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. It's a fast food restaurant where you have like, it's kind of like old style uh, drive-in where you would have, literally have like stalls and you would have somebody bring out your food. Well, anyway, so I worked there. I remember I started at 5.15 an hour. Um, so not much at all, especially nowadays when uh, minimum wage in the U.S. is around $10. But anyway, so I worked there. I paid off my debt pretty quick. I worked my way up to manager by the time I was 18. Like the day I turned 18, they gave me a management job. Um, you know, obviously paid off that debt pretty quick. And then I just kind of like, was this while studying or after this school? Was in was high school? Yeah. So I was in high school until I was 18. So I did this in high school and the good thing is they were open until midnight. So I sacrificed not playing football, uh, in the fall because I had to work because football is too time consuming. But in the, in the spring I would play soccer. And then after soccer, I would go work till midnight. So I'd go to school, I'd do school in the morning, soccer in the afternoon, and then work till midnight, you know, five, four or five days a week uh, just to save up money. And it's not like I needed to, but, you know, just, I just want to start building income back then. Um, but I wasn't the best at saving it. I wish I had been better. But anyway. I mean, so they don't teach you that in school. So how would you know? And that's the thing. They really don't, you know, they, they need to have more life lesson classes and things when you're growing up and, and stuff like that, because nobody's going to seek that out themselves. If you don't have like a, you know, a, a role model figure teaching you that. And my dad moved out of the house when I was 16 and I haven't talked to him in, you know, 11 or 12 years now. So I didn't really have that role model figure, um, of like a male that was good with money. And, you know, this guy made a lot of money. Um, so I didn't have that. And I was just living with a single mom of four boys. So I didn't get you know, if I, if I wanted something, I had to pay for it myself. So, um, but yeah, so, you know, I graduated high school. I went to, to college for four years and I worked as I was working as a CNA at a, at a place, um, yeah. and not making very much money. So then what's, I got, a CNA? what's that? A CNA. It's like a nursing assistant. So I literally worked at like an old folks home, like literally wiping asses when I was 18. Um, cause it was better money. I was actually making more money doing that than I was as a manager at this fast food place. Man, so, you've been hustling nonstop since 11. Um, wow. Yeah, please continue. Yeah, I mean, so it's like, it's just finding opportunities. So don't ever be like, even if you like your place of work or you like where you're at, you, you know, you got to keep finding these opportunities. So actually, so I so turned what, where crypto, come in? Where did crypto come into all of this. So, so that's way how, later. I mean, seriously, that's like, like 2017 is when crypto comes in, honestly. Um, but crypto is a, is like the, where I'm at in crypto now is a benefactor of, you know, my previous experiences, I guess. So um, everything you, all those lessons you learned have pretty much primed you to take advantage of crypto when it came along. For sure. Not only that, but just with like networking, even like, I, you know, I, I can't even remember a time when I've ever like gotten turned down for a job interview because I either always made sure I met the manager ahead of time or knew somebody there, um, through networking. A lot of times though, you know, it was like, I would meet somebody and they'd be like, Oh yeah, you know, I know the manager over here and I'd be like, Oh, that's cool. Well, I'm going to put in an application, just tell them my name. And then, you know, that person knows your name. They look out for your application and now you already have head up on everyone else. And then I would literally go in and I would just meet them before I ever interviewed with them. I would honestly go in. I'd just call be like, Hey, are you in today? And they'd be like, yeah. And I'd be like, all right, well, I just want to come meet you real quick and say hi before my interview and stuff. And I'd meet them, get my name in there. 
And then when I come in, I don't think you realize how much gold you just drop for people right there. Everyone looks at companies and sees them as this uh, like entity that's not human, but it's people in there. It's people that decide whether or not you get the job. And you're just casually mentioning, like, that's the source code right there. That's right. never an interview. That's a big deal, man. Yeah. So, well, I could go a lot into this, but yeah. So it's like, you got to think about it. If you just put in your resume and your resume might not even be as good. Your, your resume is most likely not as good as everyone else's. Just it's most likely mm-hmm. not. And if you want to work anywhere and you put in a resume and they see your name on a piece of paper with 10 other names, where do you, how do you stand out there? What makes you stand out compared to everyone else? Absolutely nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Um, like, luck. like someone looks at it and likes it. That's there's the got something. In, so if you just have a piece of paper and it's slapped on somebody's desk and there's 10 other people in there, you've got to have something on that piece of paper to make you stand out. All right. Not only that, but you have to know what makes you stand out and you have to take advantage of it. I was a male in a mostly female dominated profession. So mm-hmm. I had no problem standing out just from that. Like I knew like if you're a minority, if you're like a, you know, if you're a minority and you want to be a police officer, know that that's your advantage and take advantage of that and know that places need to hire you. Now mm-hmm. know that they need that you are, you know, you want to be good and you want them to be proud of hiring you and you want to do a good job, but know that these places, like I was a male, anybody wanted to hire me just for the fact that I was a male. Right. Yeah. Um, plus I was a college kid you know, like I worked out back then I looked really good. So like these girls just wanted me around. So I knew, I just knew that I had an advantage of getting hired. And then as a benefactor, I would ask for higher pay being newer, you know, and things like that. Because if they, if how, the did child, how did you like coming in for a new job, negotiate higher pay? Yeah, just ask. I mean, I've been getting higher pay than most, you, you, A, you have to be confident about it, you know? Um, but B, it's just, if you know that you are this, supreme like if you i don't don't want that to sound cocky but if you know that you can do a very good job at something and places Mm. aren't going to be upset at hiring you you literally go in the interview and you say look you want to hire me because i will bring you this i will guarantee you that this is what you'll get when i when i when i arrive like you're going to get this your staff will be happier you will be happier because you'll have less work or less babysitting to do you know like your customers will be happier this is what i've done in the past for customers you know um, you prove to them that by hiring you, that they will make more money than they pay you. So they have no reason not to pay well, you what you are. It's, it's not even that. It's like almost like things that money can't buy, you know, like staff morale, yeah. um, atmosphere things. Like if you come in and you're positive every day and you're commanding and you do what you're supposed to do, like that's almost more valuable than money right there. Depending but on that in turn makes them money, does it not? Oh, yeah. They've got happier staff, a better environment. So yeah. you're selling non-tangible things which will eventually make them happier and more money, which right. who doesn't yeah. want that. So at the, at the drive-in, actually, this is kind of cool. My buddy and I, we both turned 18. We both became managers. Well, within like three or four or five months, our, that store was doing record, record volumes of sales. Mm-hmm. Um, we were busier than ever and we quit. So we both quit around the same time. And then six months later, that store went under. So wow. We went from doing record sales. You guys were carrying the business. What's that? You guys were pretty much carrying the business then. Yeah, it was like it, you could just tell once we left. It just like even when I went up, my family members would like still go up there to get food or whatever, and they would just be like, "It, it just sucks now. Like it's not." And then so they went under like six months later, and we're like, "Wow!" Like we went for so doing record sales. That was so. That was back when I was eighteen. So so let me go forward here. So actually, so I was eighteen. I got that job. I actually 
did, I was in a culinary class randomly because the teacher was super hot um, in high school. And so one of our culinary things, we went to hy V, right? Uh, like a, a super, a grocery store down the street. We went to a grocery store down the street, the manager, we met the, we met like the GM there. And I said, like, you know, just for the class. And they like taught us how to make pizza or whatever. Well, I met the GM and I said, Hey, are you guys hiring? Like, what do you have? So I got hired on there part-time and I was making like two extra dollars an hour than I was making at the, as a supervisor or as a manager at the other place, but it was only part-time hours they could offer me. So I just did that for a little side hustle, made a little bit extra money on that, made some new connections, blah, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I did that for like six months. Specifically. Um, I've noticed up until this point, there are no mentor figures or role models you're relying on. Uh, Unfortunately, no, <laughs> just my mom of uh, four boys. So, I mean, she wasn't anytime when she'd get home, she was just busy as all hell. You know, my brothers are all younger than me. So I just kind of did what I could. At what point did you start seeking out mentors? Uh, because I know now that's a very big part of what you do, learning from specific people who have achieved what yeah. you want to achieve. Uh, when did that click for you? That Probably. I mean, I've always kind of tried to pick up bits and pieces from people like that I like older figures, um, like as far as like I coached for a while. So I would always learn from the, you know, the more veteran coaches and ask them questions. And, and, the, and the beauty of it is if you – if people know that you want to learn from them and they understand that you realize they're more experienced than you, they will cling onto that and they'll actually be more likely to want to teach you and want to help you. And not only will they want to teach you, but a lot of people will want to actually help you and will offer their help without you even asking. And that can either a take some load off of you, but also it can be just very beneficial. Like I would have these coaches offering to like run my practices. Oh yeah. Hey, you know, like I, I would ask a bunch of questions and they'd be like, Oh yeah. Hey, why don't I run your next session? You watch and then you'll learn. And then, so that's like just a whole new experience, which you don't get if you're not being, you know, nice to these other people, you're not building your connections. People like to feel special. Uh, and sure. when you like, people are afraid to ask, Oh, I don't want to be annoying. No, you, you make that person feel special. Ask them. People want to teach. They want to share their knowledge. As long as you're coming from a good place, interested in them and, uh, not being an ass pretty much. Yeah. As long as you don't come off like a leech, like you're just trying to leech off these people and you never should like, you know, you don't want to ride somebody's coattail. You want to learn how they got to where they're at and then Deliver value too. There. like help them find out how you can help them. Yeah. And they will want to help you more. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. You know, you're, if you're a random, if you're, if your net worth is $10 and you meet somebody that's net worth is $10 million, but you have a lot of, um, you have a lot of exp life experience and a lot of learning and there's always something you can, they can learn from you too. And you just have to make somebody realize that, you know, um, your, your worth is what is you as a person, not your net worth. So people it makes you think of think and grow rich. Like if you think it and believe it, it will come to you. So you can offer with just mindset, uh, this sort of, it's more than just the monetary value, mm -hmm. which makes up a person. It's your drive, your desire, your personality, your eagerness to learn your potential. People look at your potential and what right. you can become. And like, if you're eager to learn from them as a millionaire, they probably think you're eager to learn from everyone else who's a millionaire and you could one day be that, which, right. um, yeah. So, okay. Um, let's now move specifically to crypto. How did the journey begin? Crypto is 2017. I literally, so, well, 
it actually started way sooner. I learned about Bitcoin back when I was a broke college student. Um, and I had like, I was earning them on some app, but anyway, I, I didn't understand it. I Googled it and couldn't figure out what it actually was. And I heard, I knew it was going to be like internet gold or whatever, and it was going to be worth a lot, but I didn't, I couldn't figure out. And that was back when technology was like newer and like barely had internet on your phones, you know? Um, yeah, I couldn't put the concept together in my head and nobody else I knew knew about it. And I couldn't figure out through Google, like what it actually was or how I could use it. And so I kind of like, I was a broke college kid, so I wouldn't have had much money to put it in anyway. And I just kind of like brushed it off. Um, and then, so of course, 2017, I'm watching the news and it's like Bitcoin reaches $2,500. I'm like, Oh shit, what? So, you know, I started just doing some research into it. I was like, Oh, I remember Bitcoin. Okay. Let me like actually like look into this now. Um, so I just looked into it. I downloaded Coinbase and bought some Litecoin and Ethereum. You know, Litecoin was like 15 bucks or something. Uh, and Ethereum was like $150. So I just bought a tiny bit just to see what happened and, you know, dip my feet in. And then I started doing some research and found out that XRP was, you know, going to be amazing and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, you know, it was 17 cents. So I was like, well, that's cheap as hell. I'll buy this. So I bought a ton of XRP. XRP. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I just watched the whole market skyrocket and had no idea what I was doing and felt like an absolute genius and like thought I was, you know, like a way smarter than all my friends and my family and whatever. And then the market went down and I took out what I had, you know, I didn't sell at the top or anything, but I sold. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, but I sold, you know, like, I don't know. I think I sold all my XRP at like two fifty, and then everyone, I was like doing research and people were saying it was going to go back up. So I bought back into like, two dollars and then it went down to like 150 and i sold or something i can't remember but anyway so i was like well this is stupid i don't want to just put my money back in here without actually knowing what i'm doing because clearly the market's going down right now and it doesn't look good so i'm going to research this and then learn from it and figure out how i can you know be successful in the future because i i viewed crypto as a once in a lifetime opportunity back then um to make money and i still do and it's like, you know, the dot-com com bubble, you know, so many people got rich off that, but that was almost like a once in a lifetime opportunity for a lot of people. And when you see opportunities like this, you have to take advantage and you have to do what you can to make sure you can take advantage. If you don't know how to trade on low timeframes, if you, you whatever, um, if you don't have a lot of funds or what, whatever your situation is, you need to, if you need to be an investor, even, you know, like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity that you need to take advantage of. Right. So, um, you got involved in 2017, and then from that point, you had the same roller coaster journey most people did. Um, what changed? At what point did you realize, okay, maybe I can make money here? And what stopped you deciding that, oh, I've lost money, I can't do this, I should give up? What made you decide not to give up and pursue this? And how did that translate to where you are now? Yeah, I think it was, I mean, obviously I like had made a lot of money or thought I made a lot of money and then it went back down. So I think it was like, wow, that was a lot, that was a lot of money. How can I repeat this? You know, and when is the next cycle mm-hmm. or whatever? Um, so I just started learning TA and I'd only known TA for like a month or whatever. And I basically, when did you start actually? Um, that's a good question. I mean, mostly just trading view and, and just charting myself and trial and error, you know, like if I draw this line here, it, well, price bounces off that line. That's pretty cool. Okay. How can I extend that to higher timeframes and stuff, you know, and how can we use, I use a lot of past data to look forward to future because all I have, the only 
in the only thing I can use is past data, right? Like the only way yeah. I can have an idea of the future is past data. There's absolutely no other way. So I use past data a lot and a lot of people don't think that's the right way, but it's been really successful, you know, especially for long-term trends. Were you um, doing TA during 2017 or is it something yeah. you began? Oh, yeah, beginning of 2017. So way uh, early on, like February. And what was or, sorry, 2018, I apologize. 2018 is when I was really starting to do TA. In 2017, it was more like FA base. Okay, that that project sounds good. The interview was good. I like yep. this YouTube video. Let's buy a hundred thousand dollars. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, in two, it's two thousand eighteen. You're trying to learn technical analysis. You begin just by trial and error. Uh, have you joined Twitter at this point? And wh- why and how did that happen? Yeah, I I don't know why I started looking at Twitter. I think in 2017, when everything was rocketing, I would literally just put in like altcoins or like random tickers in the search bar on Twitter. And I would just find something that was literally like bottomed out. You know, I didn't really know how to chart at the time, but I was just finding these people posting like, oh, Poe is like flat for a while or whatever, and it's going to rocket up. So I started buying those and it was super successful. Um, you know, the ones that had just been accumulating for a while, you know, I think I got Poe at like whatever two cents and it went up to like 12 cents or something in like a week. So just things like that. So then after everything went down, I started like researching it more on Twitter and starting finding people that like actually made sense and knew what they were talking about. Um, uh, like who, if you don't mind mentioning, um, Josh Rager, Josh Rager was like one of the first people I really started talking to on Twitter and crypto. Uh, were you a lurker at this point or how, were you posting stuff? Oh, no, I was just lurking around. Oh. I was like, actually, my account was an Arsenal account. Uh, so I had like all soccer stuff on it and that was it. So, no, I didn't really, I just really randomly just started posting stuff because I saw my friends posting, or you know, I saw Josh posting things and like other accounts that I followed were posting stuff. I was like, well, I mean, I might as well just start posting stuff. Like, it, it doesn't hurt. Um, but then I, you know, it kind of had this weird random theory back in 2018, like, March or April, somewhere around then, like Bitcoin was going to go to 3,200 3, or 3K or whatever in like November or December. And it's all this crazy stuff. And it like started happening. It was really weird. So it's like, oh, so wow. You made that and people started following you because you made a really good call. Yeah. I mean, I think I had like one where I like posted a trend line and a date, and it was like Bitcoin is going to drop below 6K on this date in June or something it literally happened like within 24 hours of the, of when I posted on the thing. So, I mean, that was crazy and it was, pro- and it was all luck, I'm sure, but it was kind of cool. I mean, um, I'm sure there's an instinctive element as well, especially given how far your trading's come now. So, uh, in 2018, you're posting, you're starting to gain a following. People are interested in what you're doing. When did the hustle mentality come in? When did you think, Oh, I could actually build a career around this? Um, yeah, I don't, I really don't know. Actually, I'm trying to like think back. I think, uh, I don't know. I think it was when I started hearing that a lot of these accounts were making like $10,000 a post or something back in like 2017 bull market. Wow. Um, that's incredible. Insane. Right. Like people were just getting paid all this money for posts and stuff. And I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. All right. Well, I mean, let's, let's see what can happen, I guess, you know? So I just started, I started posting a lot to mostly just gain followers, but to like, you know, there's no point in posting if you don't have any followers. Yeah, know? of course. Like nobody's going to post two or three times a day if you have zero followers, right? Um, so so I enjoyed sharing my content with people and also hearing their feedback. And I kind of like to share like weird views that other people don't have a lot of times or like, 
you know, weird trend lines on charts or whatever fractals and stuff. So I like to share that kind of interesting things, thinking outside the box that a lot of other people don't. So you're trying um, a lot of new strategies. What's that? So you were trying at this point, a lot of strategies to, I still hadn't quite found your exact style. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It was mostly like RSI and stochastic back then. Um, yeah. You know, like high time frame stuff, like daily and weekly stuff back then for sure. Right. And um, to continue on the point, so how did you then build your following? Uh, because you, you set this end goal. You're like, these people are making money. Uh, it's pretty much a marketing business uh, at some point. When did you think, yeah. um, how, how did you decide to build the following? Well, yeah, a, a lot of it was like, I would see these huge accounts, like 50 or 60,000 followers. And like back in the bull run, I was like, oh, these guys know what they're talking about. And then you start to realize that 90% of them are full of BS, you know, like, <laughs> like they just were bull market geniuses, but the whole time Bitcoin's going from like 13 K down to 5 K or whatever, you know, they're calling for every, every day is a new pump about to start. You realize you could do it better than a lot of the people that were already doing it in the space. Not, not only that, it was more like, I felt like I wanted to help other people not make the same mistakes I made, like, you know, not taking profit um, and like just managing risk overall. And there's these just big accounts like telling people, Oh, buy here, buy now, buy this, buy this. And it's like, and then a week later it's down 50%. And I was like, so I wanted, I wanted to try to not only build a follower, a following to be able to share my content more, but also just to be able to help people manage their risk and to learn. And I like, that's been my goal from day one is to just help people learn because I just didn't feel like there was really any big accounts doing this at the time. Like the only one I can think of was, is trading room app right now, back then that was really, you know, and obviously Josh Rager, like him and I had a lot of the same value, have a lot of the same values. Um, but there was just no big accounts back then because it was all these, these, a lot of these like, cartoon accounts had just gained publicity, you know, and Twitter fame or whatever you want to call it. Um, and a large following just because they were posting a bunch of random charts in a bull market that were going up. And then now they're just telling like, you know, they're leading their followers off a cliff. So I just didn't feel right about that. Um, what was the turning point for your trading specifically? So now we're watching this intertwined journey of your Twitter's going up and you're starting to see some success there. Your trading's getting better and better. Uh, what kicked off your trading? Um, that's a good question. There's, there's a lot that goes into, I think, really understanding that you need a, an actual strategy and you need to mm -hmm. develop something um, that can work, you know, like a probability wise where it can work like 60% of the time or more um, or, you know, even 50% of the time or whatever, you can have a losing record and still be profitable, obviously. But I, I, I think it was finally like understanding that I needed to have a set strategy, but also, I mean, Top Goon X that Satoshi Heavy helped me develop. I mean, I think it took us a long time to really build that, that script and to get it where we wanted it. And then it took me like probably six months to actually learn how it works. Um, so that's been one of the biggest th helps too in the market. It's just the indicator that you built top goon X. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, a lot of people probably think I talk about it like to promote it or try to get sales or something, but I like literally use it every single day on it. I'll use it on one minute charts. Um, hmm. And that is one of the most, I mean, it just helps so much. Like I don't, I, I could do it without it, but it just helps. It gave it like a foundation. You had a set of rules almost because of this indicator you built. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and that is a lot of it. Honestly, like if the indicator is topped out on momentum, I usually will look for short opportunities. If it's bottomed out on momentum, I'll always usually start looking for long opportunities. So it just helps with my bias where if like, you know, I want to like long somewhere, if I want to take a long position and then I look at top next and on that time frame, it's pretty topped out. 
then I'm probably going to wait and see if the trend resets. And if momentum dips back to the lower, then I would feel more comfortable taking a long there. Right. Um, Now, you've also transitioned finally uh, into a point where you are fully sustained on your Twitter and trading. Uh, When did you decide you're ready to make that swap and become self-employed? Yeah, um, whenever the wife finally let me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Kind of, yeah. So I don't know, it's a tough decision to make. I think it was the, the really breaking point was when I was just like not happy and I was sick of going to my job every day. Oh, um, wow. I, I wasn't unhappy with the people I worked with. I wasn't unhappy with what I was doing. I was just unhappy being there all day, every day because I was enjoying crypto more. Mm. Um, and not only like it, it's tough when you're, you know, in an office for eight hours a day um, for your normal job, but you can be sitting in front of the computer for an hour and make more money in that hour doing crypto or whatever. And then kind of be done for the day you know so that was kind of disheartening once i was you know once i started to really really see long-term sustained success and then i just also on my end i always want to give 100 percent on what i'm doing so no matter who i'm working with whatever whoever i'm working for like i want to be able to give 100 percent. and if i'm not giving 100 percent to them i feel like i'm not like i feel bad about that and i don't feel like that's right on my end so on that end i had to also leave because I was just not give, they weren't getting hundred percent of me anymore. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Um, you're kind of living the dream, like a lot of people in our space who are chasing crypto and trading, the dream for them is to accomplish what you've accomplished. What would be the advice you'd give to someone who wants to get to the position where they can work for themselves and no longer be reliant on a job? Um, yeah, you know, it, it every situation is, is way different. Um, and, you know, if you're single, it might be a lot easier. You have to think about your family situation, but a lot of it's just making sure you have a, a plan and you have goals just from the start. Like I had goals when I was younger, I had a goal, you know, financial goals for when I was 30 years old. And then I had goals for when I was 35, you know, whatever. Um, I've always had some kind of goal. Um, and I've always tried to meet my goals and I've always met my goals. And if I, and I don't let it be an option to not meet my goals. So if whatever your goal is, really clear goal. Uh, whatever it is, like my goal when I was, I think I was like 24 or something or 23 or whatever. And I, out of college, I started making like $21 an hour or something. And I, I thought that was crap. Like I was, I was making like, like I'd found a really sweet job in college where I could make like 16 bucks, like 17 bucks an hour almost. And so I got, I graduated college and I was making like 21 bucks an hour. And I'm like, well, this is BS. So my goal, like when I got out of college, I was like, all right, I'm going to make $30 an hour by the time I'm 30. Like that's fair. Like, I don't know, what is that, like 60K a year or something? I was like, you know, that's yeah. that's very good salary in Nebraska. Anyway, so like I think I started making that by the time I was like 27 or 28. So it's just like finding like clear set goals and do what you can to to reach them. Like you just have to find a way to reach them. Um, what's your goal right now? So you've achieved this. What's What have you set for yourself now? Um, I don't know. My goal, my goal for this year at the beginning of the year was to make 30% more income this year than i made last year and i'm and i reached that by like february congratulations or or something um well like i didn't actually like reach that in the month but like on pace wise like with all the income i knew i'd be having come in and whatnot like i was basically like i was above my projected target by like full you know i'd already reached my projected extra income by then so um i don't know i don't have a goal right now i've kind of like 
at the point where I just reached a goal of, you know, being self-employed, um, well, the goal right like now to sustain it. <laughs> I guess you're now self-employed. What's the best thing about it? Oh man, I don't know. It's nice not going to, it's, it's nice doing whatever you want, whenever you want. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's really relieving, honestly, just knowing that you're not relying on other people or, you know, I was in management. So I was kind of like on the clock all the time. Like, you know, if I had staff, I would have staff call me at random times of the day or the, you know, night sometimes. Um, and I just always had to be aware that I had, you know, a hospital that I was basically, um, you know, if something happened, I would maybe have to go in or whatever to like help out or anything like that. So it's just nice. Like it's really de-stressing to not have something that I'm like on the hook for 24 hours a day now, other than the market. I wish it, I, I wish Bitcoin would like close for a few hours a day or something, but, um, otherwise, no, it's just nice. I mean, I've been so busy trying to get things in order, like financially and get some plans in place and paperwork and this and that. So I haven't had too much time to just kind of relax, but I'm looking forward to like a mini vacation or something soon where I can just kind of turn everything off and actually just enjoy. Yeah, for sure. That sounds um, amazing. I hope you enjoy the freedom. Um, I'm going to ask you one question to wrap this up. and I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit over here. Um, Say someone's starting from nothing and he's got two years to get from a normal minimum wage job to self-employed. What roadmap would you set for them? And take your time. I'm going to be talking a little bit here so you can think while I'm talking and asking this. Uh, what roadmap would you set for this person looking for this uh, end goal of working for themselves, starting from very little? If you can include some crypto suggested pathways, which I know a lot of my listeners will be looking for. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I, I, just hu- you just got to hustle, you know, like what what man this is a tough one i'm trying to think like what take your time try to give uh not a specific roadmap or what to do but general directions they can go towards for example would you recommend they start a twitter would you recommend they focus on um trading would you recommend they go a completely different route what Mm -hmm. route would you set imagine you're doing it yourself all over again how would you do it better and faster oh yeah um, man, that's a good one. I would say you need to cl- well define your end goal. So you need to define how much money you want to have in the bank or how much savings you want to have, where you want your money to be, um, how much you would feel comfortable. You know, if you have $5,000 sitting in your bank account, are you going to quit crypto? Are you going to quit your job and go full-time into crypto? Probably not. If, if you're situate, if you're living, you know, with, if you have a wife and a family and kids, things like that, your situations would be totally different than a single person who mm-hmm. could, you know, live with their parents or sleep on their friend's couch or, you know, live in a $50 motel a night and trade small amounts and, you know, make $50 a day just to pay that. Um, so there's so many, there's so many different scenarios, but I would say, first off, you need to define where you want to be at, like your end goal and what would make you feel comfortable when you get there. Um, to be able to quit your job or whatever that may be. Um, so you'd set a clear end goal, which you've emphasized a lot throughout this interview. Yeah. You that really clear, measurable end goals, which they strive for. You also said they need to know their specific situation. What do you need to be able to stop whatever job you're doing and be able to work for yourself? Yeah. I mean, it's mo- it's mostly about being happy. So 
if, if you're not happy in your job, then you need to find something else that does make you happy. Um, one thing I would say, I mean, you were talking earlier about finding opportunities. You could talk about, so oh, you yeah. talked about specific goals and now, so expose, set a specific goal, expose yourself to opportunities. That yeah. sort of vibe was pretty sick. I remember now. So yeah. So I would say you need to get some kind of income that's a lower risk. That was always my biggest goal is I didn't want trading to be my only source of income that I fully relied on because the market could go sideways for a month. Um, you know, you could have the market could completely crash like coronavirus. And even if you have stop loss or whatever you're in, you're in a 10 X leverage long or whatever that crash just took out people's, you know, it liquidated 10 X leverage position. So, um, trading, you know, you're risking, you, you know, you think when you enter a trade, you're only risking whatever your till your stop loss hits, but you are risking all of your capital. Just even having it on any exchange right now is, is how yeah. I look at it. Um, so I always wanted some lower risk income, um, you know, re- I mean, some- that's pretty fantastic right there. Low risk income, find something which will sustain you for a long period of time without having to make you stress all the time about whether you're going to use, lose it, whether you're going to be able to pay bills next month, you need something sustainable and consistent, correct? Correct. Yeah. If you can get something consistently coming in, whether it's $500 a month, or a thousand dollars a month. If you know you have guaranteed income coming in, then you can build a base on that and then go from there. So, and, and you want to build, you want to try to build something low risk. So, like I have a woodworking business. Like if the markets crash, you know, if Bitcoin goes to zero, I still have that woodworking business to where if I'm not making money in crypto, I could start advertising my woodworking stuff more. You know, I could start getting I more. I did not. That. Incredible. Yeah. And then, so that's another way to where I could make more money that way. If I had to, I could go start building, you know, bars in people's basements and stuff. I just built something in somebody's house yesterday. So, but I don't do that. So so you even have a backup if everything you are relying on right now ends up failing. Exactly. I mean, imagine if like, imagine if you just know Spanish, like let's just say you randomly learn Spanish and you have a really good job in crypto or you, you know, I've known, I knew people that were, extremely successful in like medical sales and they got let off like imagine if something like that happens well oh hey look you know uh you know spanish so you could actually go interpret for somebody somewhere you could like be a tele interpreter or a medical interpreter or whatever Mm. and that actually pays well and even if you don't like it you could at least do it for a little while to sustain yourself until something else came up like i quit my job but and i had a really nice position as you know i had a very nice uh, management role but if I lost my, if crypto didn't work out, I lost everything, whatever. Um, I still have my nursing license. So maybe I won't be able to get right back into a management position, but I could always go find like a nurse, a, a nursing position somewhere to at least get some money back in my pocket while I build myself back up. So you've always got to have that safety net. That is fantastic advice. Set clear goals actively seek out opportunities and make sure you have backups for your backups as well. Um, that was overall a fantastic podcast. I'm honored that you um, accepted my invitation to be my first guest. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Um, are there any closing remarks you'd like to make? Um, any services you have which you'd like to shout out? Uh, the stage is yours for the final. Thanks a lot for having me, man. I really appreciate it. I always enjoy talking to you. I'm looking forward to more of your podcasts. Um, 
you know, everyone can just keep following me on Twitter and help me grow my YouTube, uh, Nebraskan Gunner on YouTube. If I'm going to keep putting out more videos. Uh, every video I put out has a lot of, you know, little tips and tricks and things. And I kind of just like to, you know, look at the chart fresh in the morning and make a quick live stream for everyone. And you guys can kind of get my raw thoughts on it. So yeah, just keep following me. I appreciate all the nice engagements I've had lately and, uh, just talking with all my followers. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, and we will end the podcast there. And that is the end of our first ever episode of the Market Meditation Podcast. I'm your host, Karush AK, and I'm honored to have you all as listeners. Every week, I will endeavor to bring you more and more value and better quality podcasts. So stick around.